theyeshiva.net. There was once a dinner, and unlike this dinner, the present one, which is quite historic in the sense that there are no official honorees, I had the misfortune to attend many dinners in my life, but the one without honorees is for me a first, and really demonstrates the true reason you're all here. That particular dinner was filled with honorees and filled with speakers. And the keynote speaker at that dinner was the famed Ponovijerov, Rav Kahanman, Zechet Sadik Levrocha, who stood up at the end of the dinner and he opened up his remarks with these words. He said them in Yiddish, and I'll say it as he said it and translate. He said, Allah Redner Farmir Habgiret Vegintaira. Abevos Habenze Gemeint, Gemeint Habenze Geld. Ich Gereden Vegin Geld. Abevos Menich, Ich Meintaira. All the speakers before me, all they spoke about was Torah. But what was their intention? Their intention was money. I am going to speak about money. But my intention, my intention is Torah. I, humbly following in a great man's footsteps, will speak about Torah. And we'll speak a little bit about money. Whenever I have the privilege of attending such a dinner, such a banquet, for such an institution like Teresemus, I remember an episode that was shared by a professor, a Jewish professor, living in Yerushalayim, whose name is Rabbi Yisrael Uman. Rabbi Yisrael Uman is a professor of economics who used to attend a daily sheer Gemara in Iyun that was given for years by Rabbi Yisrael Ze'ev Gustman. Zuchroinu Levrocha. Rabbi Gustman, at the age of 17, was taken in by Rabbi Chaim Oizer, Rabbi Shal Kol Bnei the Rabbi of Vilna, at the age of 17, he took Rav Yisrael Gustman into his Besden, into his rabbinical court of Vilna, the Yerushalayim, the Jerusalem of Lithuania. Those who have learned his Svarim Kuntresi Hashiurim know the unique mind, brilliance, goinus of Rav Gustman, Zechreinu Levrach. And Uman would go to his daily Shia in Yerushalayim, attended by judges, professors, yeshiva bachrim, rabbonim, intelligent people. In 1982, the spring broke out the first Lebanon war, known as Milchemet Shalom HaGalil. And Rabbi Yisrael Uman, who had a son, Shloime, who was married with a wife, with a daughter, a young man, was drafted to the front lines in Lebanon 
fighting the PLO at the time. And on the 19th of Sivan, Shloyma Uman fell in battle. It was naturally a heartbreaking funeral. And Rav Gustman attended the entire funeral and the Hespedim and the burial as a Rebbe of the father who lost his child. After the Levaya, they came home to sit Shiva. And Rav Gustman followed them to the house and sat down with Rabbi Yisrael during Shiva. So Rabbi Yisrael Uman turned to him and said, Rebbe, I feel uncomfortable. You spent many hours with us today. I'm sure the Talmidim in the yeshiva, his yeshiva Netzach Yisrael, are waiting for you. They want to hear their shir. Please, you don't have to stay here. You can go back to yeshiva. So Rav Gustman turns to him and says, I want to share something with you. I also once had a son. His name wasn't Shloyme, his name was Meir. And in 1940, I was holding him in my arms and an SS commander tore him out of my arms and executed my little boy Meir in front of mine and my wife's eyes. His shoes fell to the ground. They were beautiful, expensive shoes. I took his shoes. And we were starving, so I bartered. I gave somebody his shoes, a guy. I gave him his shoes for food. But I couldn't eat the food. I couldn't eat the food that I got as a substitute for my son's shoes. So I gave the food to another hungry Jew. Rabbi Shroll, I want to tell you what happens today. My little son, Meir, was a Kaddish. And all the Gdoshim welcome. A Kaddish that comes to heaven. I'm sure my son Mayer went out to be Makabal Panim. Your son, Rib But my son told your son, when I died, I couldn't defend another Jew. I was a little boy, I was a baby torn from my father's arms. You died defending millions of Jews living in Eretz Yisrael. Let me tell you the difference between me and you. I'm a Kaddish. You're not only a Kaddish, you're a Shliach Tzibur. You're a Shliach Tzibur because you're rescuing a Tzibur, you're rescuing millions of Jews in their homeland. And Rav Gustman looks at Rav Shleim Yisrael Luman and says, I never sat Shiva for my son. So please, don't mind if I sit here an extra few minutes to be able to sit shiva for my son a few decades later. Student looked at him and said, Rebbe, I didn't think anybody could give me any words that would strengthen me, would offer any comfort or solace. But you have. And he stood up and he left. In 91, Rav Gusman passed away and his funeral was on the same day. As this moment when he came to be Menachem Oval, Rabbi Yisrael Uman. And 15 years later, in 2005, Professor Uman won the Nobel Prize for economics, for his contribution of the game theory, which he explained is already a mission in Ksuvis. A Jew with a long white beard, Agresa Yamalke, went to Sweden to receive the Nobel Prize, the Talmud of Rav Gusman. 
But Rav Gustman used to go out of yeshiva once a year in Yerushalayim. There was a parade of Jewish children with music. And he would stand and watch. And somebody said, Rebbe, is this not Bittal Torah for you? Why do you go every year to this parade? I mean, what do you have? You're not a teenager who's looking for some action. Rav Gustman was from the Goyne Adar. And he looked at the yeshiva bacher and this is what he said. He said for a person who saw an entire generation of Jewish children perish. It is a unique celebration to see a new generation of Jewish children marching in the streets, smiling and dancing with Peis and Yamulkis because they're Jewish. Today, we're living in a unique time. They say there was a Jew the other day sitting in a bar, drinking and minding his own business. And a Gentile who got a little tipsy went over to this Jew, punched him in his face and says, this is from Iran. The Jew says, okay. A few minutes later, punches him in his nose. This is from Gaza. A few minutes later, punches him in his forehead. This is from the West Bank. A few minutes later, it gives him another trach. This is from Syria. Finally, the Jew, bleeding and wounded, gets up and leaves the bar. Comes back 25 minutes later with a big iron bar. Goes over to this Gentile. Trach, he knocks him over his head. Says, this is from Home Depot. <laughs> it's not a secret to anybody sitting here that a resurgence of profound animosity is being witnessed by any Jew who cares to look around the world, especially in Europe, never mind in Muslim countries. And at such a dinner, I remember not only Rav Gustman's words, but I think to put it in context, we have to go back a little earlier. Please, friends, come with me on a little journey to a Gemara in Brachas, Talmud and Tractate Brachas, Davchavches, page 28. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai fell ill, one of the greatest sages of his time, the leader of the Jewish people during the destruction of the second base of Mikdash in 70, Kamenira, falls ill. And his students come to visit their Rebbe. And he speaks to them and he says, I'm frightened, he's weeping. And they say, Rebbe, why are you crying? And you know what he says? He says, when one comes to heaven, there are two paths. There's the path to paradise, there's the path to purgatory. I do not know which path I am going to be led down. That's why I'm weeping. And the commentators are astounded. Did Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai really feel that he might end up in Gehenna? The man about whom the Gemara says, Our boyim, our boyim, our boyim. He learned, he taught, and then 40 years he led the Jewish people. Did he really feel he's ending up in the cosmic barbecue? If Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai goes to Gehenim, who's going to eat for? What did he mean? Was this sincere? Was this honest? 
What is the meaning of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's words? One possible interpretation I want to share with you is based on a strange Rambam. The Rambam writes in Hilchis Talmud Torah, Ein mevatlin tinoikes shel beis rabban afilu lebinyan beis hamikdash. When children are learning, do not interrupt their learning, even to go build the beis hamikdash, which is a mitzvah on every Jew, men and women, as the Rambam writes in Hilchis Beis Abchir. He says this we're in Hilchis Talmud Torah in the laws of learning. Obviously, it's a halacha of Torah. Understand the value of Yiddish akin their learning. It overrides them building even the Beis HaMikdash. Whether in the Midbar, by Yisrishan, by Yisheni, and the Rambam apparently means also by Yislish. But strange, in Hilchas Beis Abchira, later on in Rambam, he repeats the same Allah in the laws of Beis HaMikdash. Everyone has to build, but when children are learning, you don't build them. You don't bring them to build the Beis HaMikdash. And the commentators wonder the Rambam doesn't like repeating himself. He already said it once in Hilchas Talmud Torah. Especially the halacha here chooses Talmud Torah over Beis HaMikdash. So where does the halacha belong? In Hilchis Talmud Torah. Not in the halachas of Beis HaMikdash, because the halacha is actually that they don't build the Beis HaMikdash. They stay in Yeshiva and learn. They stay in Teres Emes and learn. Sometimes a person lives a very successful life. I think most of us can share the following experience, especially the Yiddish Imamis. Here, those who suffer from what we call guilt. You may live a beautiful, successful, meaningful life. And you grow a little older and you see things with perspective. And you thank Hashem for your life. But there's one thing that irks you. And you can't forgive yourself. And that can eclipse everything else, unfortunately. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai lived a holy life, a unique life, the God of Hadar. But there was one event in his life that did not let him sleep. And it's that event that caused him to ask the question, will I go to Ganeitin and will I go to Gehenna, Khalil? Which event was it? The Gemara says in Gittin in the fifth chapter, that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai smuggled himself out of Yerushalayim and encountered the Roman general who became the Roman emperor, Vespasian, Aspasianus. Aspasianus was so impressed, he told Rabbi Yochanan, I'll grant you three wishes. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai asked for three things. A doctor for Rabbi spear the family of Rabbi Gamliel, the family of Beis David, and he asked for one more thing. Penli, Yavne v'chachamel. There's a yeshiva 12 miles away in the city of Yavne. Spear the yeshiva. Let them learn. Don't bother them. And Vespasian conceded and fulfilled all three requests. People not greater, not smaller than Rabbi Akiva, than Rabbi Yosef, mocked Rabbi Yochanan and Zakat. Meishiv chachamim ochoir, they said. 
The leader of Rome offers you carte blanche. Tell me what you want. Why didn't you ask him to spear you the Beis HaMikdash, to spear you Yerushalayim? Why? Why do you ask for a doctor, for a family, for a yeshiva? Ask for the Jewish commonwealth, for Jewish independence, for the Makam Ashkina, for Yerushalayim, for the base of Khir. Rabbi Yochanan, of course, thought, the Gemara says, to fast the Merubah. Vespasian will throw him out of his office. So he asked for smaller things. But in the depth of his heart, Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai asked himself the question, did I do the right thing? How many of you can say that you experienced a moment when you were asked to make a decision that would affect all of Jewish history? And when you're standing in front of Vespasian and he says, name your request, what are you going to do? You're going to go call your local rabbi and ask him advice? You're not going to find the Rabbi Akiva Ege, you're not going to find the Pischei Tshuva, you won't find a Shach, a Taz, a Sivis, or a Chashulchan, or Igris Moshe. To answer such a question, what shall you tell Vespasian? These are questions that you have to answer with your guts, with your kishkes, with your instincts. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai asked himself one question. Perhaps I am indirectly guilty for the decimation of the Beis HaMikdash and Yerushalayim. Perhaps I could have single-handedly secured the existence of the Beis HaMikdash and Yerushalayim. And at the end of his life, he looked at his students and he said, let me tell you something. Is it possible that me, Rabbi Yochad ben Zakkai, because of me, Golos emerged with such horror and with so many tears and so much destruction. Maybe I am unintentionally guilty. You know, it reminds me, there was a yid, some of you heard of him, Rebbe Chol Ber Weismandel. Chol Ber Weismandel negotiated with Eichmann Yemach Shemoy for Hungarian Jewry in 1944. And Eichmann agreed for one or two million dollars to spear 800,000 Hungarian Jews. It never worked out. They were sent to the gas chambers between Pesach and Shavuos. Auschwitz was destroyed 20,000 neshamas a day. And Remachol Bev never forgave himself. And he died a broken man, a broken heart. He would get up at the dinner of his yeshiva. He built the yeshiva way over there in the farm. Huh? Mount Kis- he would get up, he would start about the yeshiva, he'd right away go into to Eichmann. He couldn't help himself. I don't know if it's a comparison with Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai told his children, students, maybe I do go to again. He didn't know. He did not know. But we, we, sitting here tonight in Tov Shinayim Hay, at a dinner for Torah Samas, 62nd dinner. In Los Angeles, California, do know the answer. And Reb Zalman Sarotskin, the Baal Nayim Latoyra Zechroin Alevracha, once said, a moment later, what did Reb Yochanan say? Panu Mokoim Lechiskiyo Melech Yehuda. 
Make place for Chizkiyahu. Why Chizkiyahu? <laughs> From all the righteous Jews who lived in Eretz Yisrael, the only one who came to escort Rabbi Yochan into the next world was, Why Chizkiyahu? Why not Yoshiyahu? Why not David? Why not Shloyme? Why not Yishayahu? Why Chizkiyahu? This is what the Rambam meant. And you'll forgive me saying a brisk word at a dinner. The reason the Rambam repeats the halacha, that you don't interrupt Jewish children's learning, not only in Hilchas Talmud Torah, but also in Hilchas Beis Abchira, because the Rambam wants to tell us, Rabbi Yisai, that the din, that children are not interrupted from learning, from building the Beis Hamikdash, is not only a din in Talmud Torah, it's a din in Beis Abchira. It's not overriding Beis Hamikdash. It's part of the halachis of the Beis Hamikdash. The halachis of the Beis Hamikdash necessitate that the child is not interrupted from his learning to come build it. Why? The answer is because the halacha of building the Beis Hamikdash includes two components. One is you got to put up a Beis Hamikdash. Ve'asuli Mikdash. But there's another component. Ve'shachanti b'soycham. Says the Alshich, not Besoychoy, Besoychom, who are Besoychom? Plural, it's one building. Besoychom are the Jewish children. By making sure the children are learning, you're not overriding Beis Hamikdash. You're creating a Heftzer where they could be Vishachanti Besoychom. It's part of Beis Hamikdash. Reb Yochanan ben Zakkai stood in front of his Aspasian and he asked himself a question. Rome is mighty. The Reboina Shaloylam has given over the Jewish people, Bederech HaTeva, in the hands of Rome. What is my duty today? And Reb Yochanan ben Zakkai knew one truth. The truth he knew in his instincts were this. Without sheep, without goats, for the carbon tomit, for the carbon musaf, for Rishchidosh, for Sholosh Regolim, for Shalmi Simcha, for Shalmi Chagiga, for Eilis Re'iyah, for Nedorim Nedavis, for Chatoyas and Hashomis, without the rams and the axes, the Jews may survive, the Jews may not survive. But, without learning, Zvachim and Ochus, Erkin and Tmurah, Without learning the Lashem Shisha Dvarim Azevach Nisbah, Kdushas Dabim, Kdushas Haguf, Kalaroy Lebile, Bilama Keves, Hilchis Karbonis, Hilchis Hektish. Without learning about those sheep of the Tamid, without learning about Tigul and Noiser and Oilache and Kuhune, then they for sure will not survive. So he looks at Vespasian and he says, Let my yeshiva live. Vespasian looked at an old Jew. Twelve miles where a few students are learning halacha, are learning Torah. But he didn't know. We know. 2,000 years later, 
Where is Vespasian? Where is Titus? Where is Turkmenei Nebuchadnezzar? Paroi Chmelenetsky? Where are they? Stalin, Hitler, Rosenberg, Goebbels, I, where are they? They're in Wikipedia. And where is Mesechtes, Vachim, Amenachis? We are the Jewish people. We are the Jewish children. Tonight we're celebrating their presence, their success. But in 1953, when the broken Jews who came to the West Coast, Sha'iris Apleta Hungarians, Polish, built a little yeshiva for maybe a few dozen children on Edinburgh and Third. What were they thinking? What did they know? What did they foresee? What did the Balabatim of the 50s here in Los Angeles, who lost most of their families, the Balabatim, Rabbi Halberstam, Rabbi Reichik, Zechreinim Levrach, all the other Balabatim, what were they thinking? Rabbi Isaacson, Rabbi Chiel, Yehuda Isaacson, Zechreinim Levrach, who became the Ruach HaChayim behind Teres Emes. What did he foresee as its future? What motivated him? What inspired him? Most people told them the Meshuggah. Meshuggah often cup. It's California. It's not Williamsburg. It's not even the Lower East Side. In Torah of Adasta was our Shashiva Reb Hyman. I'm from New York. You're from Los Angeles. You don't know what snowstorms are. I don't know if you're lucky or you're not lucky. Reb Shloyma Hyman comes into Torah of Adas one day. There was a snowstorm. It was one of the most historic snowstorms. I think it was in the mid-40s. Four or five feet, I think it was four. He comes to Torah Adas to give his shear. How many boys showed up? Two and a half. The half was the Bachir who would never show up fully. He was there, but he was not the, you know, ADD. Then it was only one. Today it's most. Shlomo Hyman, if you know, would give a sheer call at Smaisa. He would jump, he would scream, he would holler. Rav Gustman, a Talmud of his told me he would give a sheer, and he felt the boys are not understanding what he's saying. So what did he do? He took his glasses and he broke them. And everybody understood the sheer. So Rav Hyman was mamish. He was very passionate. So two and a half boys come, and he would go for four hours sometimes. And Rav Hyman starts to shear. Unashrayt, ashrayt. Rambam with Raivis, with Shagas Ayis, with Brichas with Rabchaims, with Marachas, with Akivagas. Ashrayt. One of the boys had a chmonas. He interrupted me and said, Rebbe, Rebbe, two and a half boys came. There's a huge snow. What are you getting so excited? Most of the Bachim are not here. Nobody's here. Reb Shloyma looked at this boy and he said, Do mainst You think I'm giving a shear, I'm speaking to you. I'm not speaking to you. 
I'm speaking to your children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and great 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 grandchildren. I'd be as good as In this room is not two and a half people. There's two and a half thousand people. All your children are here. The Sha'iris are planted in California. Who built Torah Semis with a few kids in a little binion with crisis after crisis after crisis. I don't know what they predicted and what they foresaw. But one thing they said is, Tenli, Yavne, Vechachameha. We need a place where Torah will thrive in the hearts and souls and minds of our boys and our girls. Today, 62 years later, we can literally quote Moshe Rabbeinu and say, Hashem Eloikeichem Hirbo Eschem, Vehinchem Ayoim Kechoichve Ashamayim Laroiv, Hashem Eloikeavisechem, Yosef Aleichem Elefamim, Vivarech Eschem Tasher Dibber Lachem, under the loyal leadership of Yididenu Ayikarim, the Dean the quintessential rabbi and one of the great leaders of this community, Rav Kreuzschlitter, Rabbi Kreuzschlitter, and the dedicated... <laughs> and the dedicated leadership of the Menahel and the Kolbernik of the Yeshiva, Reberz Ozein Gesund, Reberz Goldenberg Schlitter, you have a personification of the Gemara in Baba Basra Davches, Bahamaskilim Yaziru Kizoyer Orakia, Ukechoychovim Haoindim Laad. The wise men shall shine like the sun and stand in dur like the star, says the Gemara. Who will shine like the sun? Dayan Shadon Emesla Mitoy, a real judge. And who will be like stars? Malamde Tinoikas, the teachers of children. Asks the Nesivas Hamishpat, why is the judge the sun and the teacher, the Malamed, the star? And the Nesivas Hamishpat writes, justice has to be uniform for all. You can't have a Dayan saying, for you, it's this way, for you, it's that way. Din is din, choshen mishpat is choshen mishpat, halacha is halacha for all. But a teacher, a teacher can't be like the sun, a teacher has to be like the stars. The sun is one sun for everybody. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Shimsha, Akula Almanaycha. The stars, every star has a different shape, a different size, a different color. The teacher must tune into the individuality of the child like a star. And to have a school today, Rabbi Kraus, Rabbi Goldenberg, and the Malamdim have to be both Dayonim, where there's rules, there's values, there's justice, but you can't run a yeshiva if there's no stars. I heard, I heard the other day from Dr. Pelkowitz, touched me so deeply. So there was a boy in yeshiva who was really not doing well, and he quit. And his father, tremendous pain from it, so they sent him. They sent him to, 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 to Dr. Palkowitz to speak about it. So he spoke to him. He says, why is your father so upset? He says, so upset because we have a bunch of siblings. And they're all, as we say in English, 
successful products of the system. This one is a Rosh Hashiva, and this one is a Rosh Chaylil, and this one is married to XYZ, and this one is this, and this one is an Aska. And they're all into learning and an Askanas, and I'm the black sheep in the family, and he's very upset. So he says, ask, let me, he calls his father, his mother, so I want to meet the whole family. You, your wife, all your children, and this Bachiru, who's a teenager. Okay, we'll come in. No. Do you have parents alive? Are they grandparents? Yeah. My parents are alive, the father says. Shayrus Haplaiti Yidin, survivors. In their 80s. Bring them into the office. Now, I don't have to tell you that Shayrus Haplaiti Yidin didn't grow up with this concept of therapy. If they had a mother and a father over a certain age, they were thankful. They didn't have time or luxury to be too upset at their mothers. It's a different generation. Today we have Jews who are psychotics, neurotics, psychiatrists. The difference is the psychotic builds castles in the air. The neurotic lives in the castles. The psychiatrist collects the rent from both of them. But their son asked them to come in, so they came in. So you have a whole mishpacha sitting in the therapist's office. What do you do now, Daf? You know what I mean? turns to the father and says, speak, speak your heart, speak to your son. I have Agmasnafesh. Such a successful mishpacha of Bnei Torah. Girls, boys, and one boy ruining his life. Wastes his days, wastes his nights. Who knows what he's involved in? And he really lets this boy hear about his aggravation. What happened at that moment, nobody expected. The Altayi, the Zayde, gets up. He looks at his son, the father of this prestigious family. And he says, you know what I feel like doing? I feel like cutting you out of my will. He was a very successful man. He is a very successful man. Runs a very successful business that he built up. I want to cut you out of my way. He says, why? Why, Tat? He says, I told you a story when you were a youngster. And I see, not only do you not remember the story, it was completely forgotten from your psyche. It did nothing for you. I am so upset at you. He looks at his grandchildren and he says, your father didn't tell you the story. I'm going to tell you the story. And he looks at the family and he says, you know, I was the black sheep in my family. We lived in Poland and all my brothers sat and learned in yeshiva. And I was the kid who couldn't concentrate. And I went up and I picked up a book. It was called Mein Kampf by Hitler. And I read it and I came back to my father and I said, Tate. He is going to kill out every Jew in Poland and Eastern Europe. Medaf and we have to run away. And my father looks at me and he says, The Hakstat Shainik, you're confusing us. You're thinking about this Nairishkeiten because you're not learning. Go sit and learn like your siblings. I fought with my father. Cats and dogs we fought. And my father would not listen to me. I would not listen to him. I escaped. Alone. I'm the only one who survived. My holy brothers, sisters, they all perished. 
He looks at his grandson. And he says, you're just like me. You're just like me. Don't feel that you're a loser to the Jewish people. Don't feel that you're hopeless. Appreciate your gifts, your resources. I promise you, your brothers have things you don't have and you have things that they don't have. Because of people like you, our family still exists in this world. He took his boy, this boy, into his business. And here is the true ending. All of his brothers now work for him. (laughs) To run a school, you need to be like the sun, but you need to be like the stars. And that balance and that combination that Torah Semes carries and has, that Rabbi Krause and Rabbi Berish Goldenberg represent makes it a gem of an institution for the Kehila Kadisha of Los Angeles to be able to create that synthesis, that integration. And then I think finally there's one more unique quality that we're celebrating and supporting this evening. Rabbi Chaim Shmulevich, the mirror of Shishiva, Zechroyne Levrochus Atzal writes, one of the most disturbing Medrashim in Parsha Shmois is, it's in Yalkut Shemoyni, it's in Balaturim, and it's already in Mechilta. When Moshe was about to leave to Egypt, his father-in-law made him take an oath. Vayoyol Moshe. And you know what the oath declared? The words of the Mechilta. Ben Hanoilad Lechot Chila, the child that will be born first, you have to dedicate to idolatry. And that's why Moshe named the first boy Gershon. He's a stranger. The second boy, Eliezer. Be'ezri. The second boy is my boy. The first boy he dedicated Lavoy de Zara. Ask Shabchaim Shmolevich. Explain this to me. Moshe Rabbeinu for a shidduch? Agreed to give away his son for Avodah Zorah, Moshe Rabbeinu. And it wasn't even Pikuach Nefesh. It's for a girl. Go find another Shidduch. Kevaldik Akash. The Chidush Yorim writes, and they bring Chidush Yorim. He said over the Medrash, and he started to pound on the table, on the tish, and he said, Echmachat ki is kaf. And the Medrash is Nishkip so what's Pshat? So the Chidush Yerim has a brilliant touch. He says, everybody reads the Mechilta wrong. We read, Ben The child was born first, goes to Avay He says, no. Ben Hanoilet. The child who's born, Kama. Yisrael Moshe had an argument how to educate Yiddish Kindalach. Yisrael said, You're going to put them into a yeshiva, Altaris HaKoydish. They're going to grow up. All they're going to know about is Yiddishkeit. They will become FFBs. In other words, Fablonjit from birth. They will never be able to celebrate their Judaism. They're always going to wonder what's on the other side of the fence. You know why I'm a passionate Jew? Because I learned everything. 
כי גודל השם מכל האלוקים זה פלאשי מלמד שלא יניח אבוי דזורר שלא יעובדו ישראל knew every philosophy, theology in the world. He could say, ah, ah, I get it. Moshe, let me educate your children. Let him learn what the secular world has to offer. Let him see what they have to say. Let him observe everything. And then he'll scream. is going to raise Jews who may doubt, who may wonder what's on the other side, and who will take it all for granted, and will find it boring. Not a bad vikuach, huh? Chidush Arim says it, Chaim Shmulevich says the same word. Chidush Arim a century earlier, obviously. Why did Moshe argue? The Gemara says in Avodah Zorah, Daphnon Beis, Bitul Avodah Zorah can only be done by a guy, not by a Jew. If a Jew owns an idol, even if he smashes it, it's not nullified. You have to bury it. A guy can destroy Avodah Zorah and you could use it. Why? Says the Chidush Yoharim, because in order to be mavatal something, it means that it has value. It has significance. If it's valueless, There's nothing to nullify. To be mevatel avodah it has to have value, it has to have a reality. So Moshe told Yisroi, what I want for my children is, I don't want them to be mevatel avodah I want they should be so deeply connected to their soul, to their God. Avodah is not a metzius. It's like the Maisa, a very moving story. That when the Balatanya needed a teacher for his child, who later succeeded him, Rabdaif Ber, he went to a Yid, a big Talmud Chachim, and he said, Hey Zachai, I have a mitzvah, I have to teach my child. You have a mitzvah, you have to support your wife and children. Let's exchange a mitzvah for mitzvah. I'll do your mitzvah, you'll do my mitzvah. I'll pay the salary and you'll teach my child. The teacher was a clever man. He said, Rebbe, it's not a fair deal. Your part of the deal is simple. You have to put money on the table. My part of the deal is educate your child. How do I educate your child? So he said, Jewish education begins with Aleph base. The first thing we teach a Jewish child is an Aleph. And he used to speak in a Nigin. So he said these words, Zelosh Shoyne in Yiddish. Vos is an Aleph. Apin talefuneibin. A pin telephone unten, das is an aleph. A yud von eben, a yud von unten, a kav von jiras shamayim beemza, das is an aleph. What's an aleph? A yud on the top, a yud on the bottom, and a line that links them. That's what a Jewish shawl has to know. There's a yud above, Hashem. There's a yud below, Ayid, Ayud. And life is about creating that relationship, that link. So what the Zoyar says, Tlas, Kishrin, Miskashron, Dabedot, Yisrael, Vairaisa, Vekutshabrichu, there's three knots, there's three kshorim. A Jew, Toyer and Hashem, asks the Avnei Nezer, 
in eure chayim simin kufpei, a gewaldige kasha. What's the halacha? If you tie a knot on Shabbos, that's not enduring. You tie it and you're going to untie it in a year, in a month, in a week. So we know biblically it's fine, you're not forbidden. You need a kesher shal kayomet to violate Shabbos. Ask Stavnineza why. When it comes to carrying, if somebody carries something outside and then wants to bring it back, it's not carrying. If somebody writes letters and then thinks I'm going to erase it tomorrow, it's not writing. I'm making a knot right now for a year. It's not a knot. Why not? Ask Stavnineza. What's the answer, Rabbi Isai? The answer is, Kesher Shal Kayama is not the time that you need the knot to last for. It defines what a knot is. What's the problem of Kesher? Taking two separate substances and making them one through a knot. But if you have intention to undo it two years from now, can you say the two things became one? One thing is not separated. This is going to be separated. The Kesher Shal Kayama makes that it's not called Kesher. It's two things that are near each other. It's two things that are, 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 are in proximity to each other. But it's not two things that are connected that they become one. Zakti Zoyar plus Kishrin Miskashran Dabada. What does it mean to tie a Jew to Torah? To tie a Jewish child to Torah? The definition is a Kesher Shal Kayama. It's like marriage. What's the definition of the Kesher of marriage? What is it? If you think under the chuppah, I'm going to try this for nine months with my husband. If it works, good. If not, how about good and talk? That's what we have today in the world. It doesn't work. It's binyinadayad. We're one. Divorce is not an option. Is it never an option? Of course later you can undo the knot. But when you're creating the knot, it's eternal. We're one. That's what marriage is. And when the secular world redefined marriage, the sacredness and the beauty of marriage was lost. Especially in a state like California or New York. Because that's what kosher is. So Moshe tells Yisroi, I need to give my children an aleph. A kesher shel kayama. They're one. Ayut funayip and ayut fununtin. Yisroi told Moshe, I'm sorry, Rebbe. You're a good man. But if you want your kids to appreciate Yiddishkeit, they got to taste the other side. Oh, says of Chaim Shmulevich. Now we can understand why Moshe was masculine. Wasn't avoid the Zorah. Ben anoylet chil alavoy the Zorah like the Kedush but I want to ask you tonight. Halach is like who? Like Moshe, like Yisra. So you all know the Jewish world is still fighting about it. <laughs> Everywhere. Moshe, Yisra. But is it not true, friends, that Hashgacha Halyoyna challenged us in our generation to make a little shalom bias between, between Moshe Rabbeinu and Yisra. And that's what Torah says. You have yeshivas that are completely closed off. The boys don't know anything about Chezu the High Alma. And you have yeshivas that are Kulo Yisraitik. 
the uniqueness of the products of Torah Samus. And I think you'll all be masking to me. That Torah Samus is a moisten that's saturated through and through and through. With Torah's MS of Moshe Rabbeinu, a Kesher shall Kayoma. In the definition of what Kesher is. On the other hand, it's graduates, it's Talmidim, are not people who when they face the world, they melt away and they either have to run away to a cloistered cocoon or they lose their entire faith. The Talmidim of Torah Semes over the last 60 years are Marbitzei Torah, Machzikei Torah, Mekatshei Shem Shomayim Ba'olam, people who have the courage to bring Torah into the marketplace of ideas, and the Shuk, Kama Yosef Ikeb as the Gemara says in Psachim Samaches, in the marketplace of Rishus Rabin, whether the business world or other worlds, with a dedication to Avis HaTorah, Avis Hashem, Avis Yisro, the Baal Shem once said, that when the Gemara says in Brachas, Mishachara Beis Hamikdash, Ein Leila Kadosh Baruch Hu Baylam Eladal Ramashal Allah Chabalvat, when the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, Hashem has in His world nothing but four Amas of Halacha. What does it mean? You know what He said homiletically. He said the symptom of Churban Beis Hamikdash is that we think that the Rebbeinu Shalaylam could be found only in Dalat Amashal Halacha. That's the symptom of Churban Beis Hamikdash. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said, No! Torah is Bishmiloi Nivra Ha'olam. It's going to define the world. And thus, even Yisrael could look at Torah Semes and say, Ah, Ru'ugidulim Shegidel, the Moisad HaKadosh of Torah Semes. My dear friends, it was Erev Yom Kippur, 1945. The Kloisenberger Rebbe lost a wife and 11 children. In Auschwitz, he was sitting in a DP camp, Erev Yom Kippur, preparing for the holy day. There was a knock on his door. He opened the door. A girl came in and she said, Rebbe, I lost both of my parents. I don't have anybody to bench me. Before Kol Nidre, can you bench me? So the Kloisenberger Rebbe said, of course. And he lifted up his hands over her head and he blessed her like he would bless his own daughter, which he didn't have. He didn't have any, anybody left. She left. Five minutes later, another girl came in. And five minutes later, another boy came in. Until sunset of Erev Yom Kippur 1945, 80, 80 boys and girls, Yisoyimim, Orphans came into the Kloisenberger Rebbe asking for the pre-Kol Nidre blessing and he placed his hands over their heads and he told them how precious they are, how much their parents are proud of them, how much Hatzlocha they're going to have, how much happiness they will find, how many great families they will build and he blessed all of these kinderlach. And these are the children who went to rebuild Jewish life in Eretz Yisrael and the Tfutzis, among so many of the others, Sheiris Hapleitu, who became also the seeds of this great Ir Ve'embi Yisrael in the Mayriv of Shechina B'Mayriv of the United States of America, where people once thought that it's going to be Bal Yiro or Bal Yimotze. So tonight, 
I and we want to lift up our hands and bless all of the more than a thousand Kenyirbu children. The beautiful, angelic, holy boys of Teresemes. Among all of the children of this Kehillah, all of the children of Klal Yisrael and all of the Jewish people, with those blessings of love and affection of Yevarechicha and Yoav and Yisa to the children, to their parents, to their friends, to the whole community that came out to ensure that the vision of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and the Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's of every generation will not only survive, but will thrive. And allow me to say this, a priest went over to a rabbi and he said, I have a new trick, how to eat at a delicious restaurant without paying. The rabbi got excited, he said, how? The priest said, you come in at nine o'clock, you eat as much as you want, and we don't have what to do really. We don't have real jobs, so we could stay late. One o'clock in the morning, the old guard leaves, and the new group comes in. You stay seated at the table, and at two in the morning when they're about to close, they ask you for the money, and you say you already paid to the previous chevra, and you're good to go. So the rabbi says, you mind if I go along with you? The next night, they both show up at nine o'clock, they eat up a storm. They don't stop eating and drinking. One o'clock, the old guard leaves. Two o'clock, they clean up the restaurant. They go over to the priest and they say, are you ready to please pay your bill? And the priest looks at them, pay our bill? We already paid two hours ago with the old shift. I says, okay, he's quiet. The rabbi looks up at him and says, and we're still waiting for the change. <laughs> and so, that Torah Semes has been such an incredible miracle of the Rebbeinu Shalolim in our generation, is like Haim and that it's a schus and opportunity to be here is like Kaimala But tonight our challenge is, our calling is, Teresemis is waiting for the change for each and every one of us to become an active participant in making sure that our children build up the base Hamigdosh through Talmud Torah, whether we participate Beguf, whether we participate Benefesh, whether we participate with Mormon. I don't know if they're here at the dinner, I don't know Minig But I have a Minig and I want to say this. That some do we have to give the greatest appreciation to teachers, to the Malamde Tinoikas, to the Mechanchim and Mechanchis. When you put the kids on the bus and some of you say Baruch Shepatrani, and those three teachers, Sit and knell with your boys with love and dedication and tireless commitment. They're not always showing the appreciation they deserve emotionally or financially. But you are the koichovim. Ha'oyimdim le'yad, the stars, as the marsha says there, who shine by day and by night. Not like the sun. Because even when your children graduate yeshiva, 
The impact that a good teacher leaves in a child is eternal. And may you go to raise a generation of Yiddish Kindalach who will be Makabel Tnei Mashiach Tzitkenu Bimheira Biyamenu Amen. Thank you very much. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.